Blog Talk Radio. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. Continually 
degrade Israel and Jews. And she's in good standing with the House of Representatives. And another member of the House of Representatives who is not making racist comments can simply say that she's head of the Jihad Squad and they want to pass anti-Islamic legislation to create a special envoy to to combat Islamophobia. It is sane for most people to be afraid of Islam. Islam is responsible for 99% of the world's terrorist acts. Simple fact. And therefore, since it was fundamentalist Islam that perpetrated 9-11, and it is fundamentalist Islam that is berserk around the world, then being concerned about such a thing would seem to be a normal response, and it should be an appropriate response for most of the world. The only people who should not be afraid of Islam, they're not Muslims, because uh, Muslims are the victims of more oh, Islamic terrorism yeah. than anyone else. They, mm-hmm. and, and Allah, of course, in the Quran is presented as Satan. He spends all of his time in hell torturing people. The only people who should genuinely not be afraid of Islam are folks like us mm-hmm. that are protected in the covenant. There's nothing a Muslim can do to us because we are protected by Yahweh's Malak. So we are the people who are the least Islamic, uh, is prone to being Islamic uh, phobic. And yet they would rant and, and claim that uh, our books are the opposite of that. But mm-hmm. again, this is, this is the left being completely irrational. Because if you were afraid of Islam, you would not expose and condemn Islam. If you're afraid of Islam, you wouldn't write the most comprehensive book on the Quran, where you take the Quran, reorder it chronologically, and set it into the context of Muhammad's life using the oldest and most credible historical hadith collections so that you could make sense of the book. And so the opposite of what the left claims is true is actually true, but you know, such is the nation, uh, nature of our, uh, of our world. There is a, a serious problem right now um, besetting Israel. And for those listening mm-hmm. to this program, uh, both Kirk and I are Goyim. We're not uh, Jews, so mm-hmm. we're, not, uh, um, we're not on any Jewish payroll. Uh, no one pays us anything to, uh, to do this. My dog will lay down at my feet and say that she uh, loves me. Uh, uh, in fact, I feed her probably has something to do with that. Uh, my wife loves what I, I do, but uh, you know, we're, we're not compensated in any way for this, at least monetarily. Uh, and we're not even Jewish. Uh, but we do have a love for Yisrael because we love Yahweh, and Yahweh loves Yisrael. Uh, there is this uh, horrible situation that exists right now uh, infecting the uh, Biden White House. And about oh, three years ago, when it appeared that, that uh, the, one of the great idiots of all time, uh, Donald Trump, was doing really wonderful things for Israel, uh, that... I, it's hard to say that you know, the United States is Israel's biggest foe because, of course, of the military hardware we sell to uh, 
Israel's enemies. Uh, and the fact that the United States is taking the lead in forcing Israel to divest first Gaza and then the West Bank, which will make the nation indefensible. And what I said at the time is that if you notice that everything Trump has done has been an executive order, and most of his executive orders will be reversed by the next occupant of the White House. Boy, did that turn out to be true. So mm-hmm. Israel is, uh, uh, is meeting. Vinnie uh, Gantz uh, was uh, in Washington. Uh, you know, I, I have a tough time identifying with any politician because there was a while there that I saw an affinity of some positive with, with Bibi Netanyahu because he was the one politician that would actually say, you know, there is no such thing as Palestine and there's no such thing as a Palestinian. So unless we can get our terms right, we have nothing to talk about. And I respected him for that. But unfortunately, Netanyahu's ego is, uh, was his undoing and his alliance with the religious parties was disastrous for Israel. Uh, and for ultimate reconciliation of God's people. Uh, mm-hmm. But so I'm going to tell you that, that the quiet, steady hand in Israel is not Bennett, because uh, Bennett formed his government by bringing uh, uh, Rom into it, which is an Islamic party. And, uh, and the, there's probably nothing he could have done that was more disastrous for the country. But these people do it for their egos. Uh, so the person I'm alluding to would be prime minister now if Benjamin Netanyahu had honored his uh, agreement. Uh, that's Gantz. He is now uh, Secretary of Defense for uh, Israel. He went to Washington, and uh, the purpose of the meeting was to have a discussion with uh, the president and with uh, Secretary of State and the uh, Secretary of Defense on since on Iran, since um, Iran developing nuclear weapons is uh, is death for Israel. Uh, and the United States continues to screw around, pretending that they're going to f- form some kind of an agreement that's going to uh, somehow preclude Iran from developing nuclear weapons. But all Iran wants is to have all the uh, embargoes and uh, constraints financially lifted uh, so that they um, can have more money to spend on their nuclear program. And build more missiles and drones to attack Israel. And Israel knows it. So the delegation went to Washington to say, it's obvious, and you're admitting it, that negotiations uh, is not working, and uh, all the Iranians want removal of sanctions, and they want to go on their merry way in terms of their nuclear program. And they're very close now to developing enough uh, nuclear material for a bomb. So... The only solution is a military one. We have to destroy them. We ought to work together. Your technology is better than ours with your uh, bunker buster bombs. So what the President of the United States told Israel through his Secretary of State and his Secretary of Defense is there's a quid pro quo here. If we're going to consider supporting your defense against Iran developing a nuclear bomb, then you're going to acquiesce to our demand that you build no more settlements so that we can impose the two-state solution. Now, unfortunately, there is no one in Israel that has uh, huevos grandes, coconuts, as we would call them in the, in the South. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Yahweh said that my, my whole nation has become a nation of women. 
there's no one with any courage. Because the only response there, again, and, and a, an immediate response and the correct response in the moment is really all that matters. If, if That's the advantage of understanding and the power that it gives you. So I would have looked the President of the United States in the eye and I said, so what you're telling me is that if I don't allow the Muslims to destroy us from within, then you're going to allow the Iranians to destroy us from outside. Without? Yeah. That is the choices you're, you've given me, to allow the Iranians to bomb us with a nuclear bomb or have the Muslims... Uh, take over the West Bank, turn it into the next Gaza, and now we're surrounded with Lebanon, Syria, uh, Gaza, and the West Bank all attacking us simultaneously, and we are destroyed. So that's the choice you're giving us. And if that's the choice you're giving us, death one way or the other, then we choose neither. Unfortunately, we'll go it alone. And we will announce to the world that this is what you chose to impose. And oh, by the way, all we have to do to show how stupid this is, is what was the result when the United States forced Israel to surrender Gaza? What was the choice when the United States forced Israel to withdraw from Lebanon. Once again. Yeah. The third item in the news that I want to uh, bring up is that uh, it was announced uh, yesterday that um, uh, the economy and Turkey has now officially collapsed. Uh, it uh, the, the Turkish lira had lost, uh, I think, 50% of its value uh, in the, the past year. Uh, it's in free fall. Uh, Erdogan has had to stop uh, all market trading. Um, and inflation is 30%. And the, the, the money has essentially no value. Uh, if it was just Turkey, I would say swell. Because, you know, Turkey has become mm-hmm. a fundamentalist Islamic nation. I just say uh, they deserve it. Uh, but it's not just Turkey. Um, it will spread from Turkey to Greece, to Spain, to Italy, to England, yeah. to yeah. France. It, uh, it's going to spread throughout Russia. It'll spread throughout the, uh, the world. And it'll spread throughout the world as a direct result of what happened with COVID, uh, where the leftist politicians decided that they could play God and save the world by deciding what was an essential business and what was not. Not understanding that the very reason that no communist economic system has ever worked is that you cannot orchestrate successfully an economy. Uh, Economics work when everything uh, is interwoven with lots of independent individuals and corporations and businesses uh, striving to create value and serve one another. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. how the system works. It can never be directed from top down. And so when they, the moment they did that, they said, we're going to decide that you can only run an essential business. I said, it's over. Uh, 
You know, this was a year and a half ago. And I explained systematically how business works and why that would destroy supply chains. Um, and the economy would never recover from that. And I was right. Yeah. Um, we are uh, we are in an inflation cycle now that's going to continue to exacerbate. Uh, with it, uh, the deficits will continue to grow. We've destroyed the value of our currency. We've done everything that Turkey has done and worse. And it's going to be a collapse. You're right. Now, You're the, right. solution is already, the solution Sorry. is already uh, uh, well underway. And COVID was, is going to be used as the excuse to do what the world's elite have wanted to do for a long time. Um, I first reported uh, that I expected this to occur about 20 years ago, and uh, now it's inevitable. It's called the Great Reset. And in the Great Reset, uh, you're going to have global control of economies. You're going to have global uh, electronic currencies. You're going to have total control of the economy by governments which means they will determine who gets to buy, who gets to sell, who gets to eat, who gets to starve, who gets to travel, who gets to live, and they will do so. And they will get the majority of the, uh, of the zombies now who occupy this planet, who have been rendered incapable of thinking to go along, because they will essentially forgive all debt. Uh, if you have a mortgage on your home, you have a mortgage on your car, you have, a, you have credit card debt, it will all be forgiven because, by the way, the currency is not worthless, so the debt is worthless. Uh, all be forgiven for you to uh, accept the new currency and surrender all assets in the old currency. That's what's going to happen, and they will have absolute and complete control over everyone. And it's not going to happen... 50 years from now, 40 years from now, 30 years from now, or 20 years from now, not even 15 years from now. This is going to happen sometime between now and 2030. So you best be ready. And the only policy that can help you survive this is to be part of the covenant. Anyway, that's my thoughts on the uh, the news. Um, mm-hmm. uh, sorry to cast a somber spell on some of this, but hopefully some of that was humorous uh, to you. Uh, this is where we were, Kirk, uh, this time uh, yes. uh, last week. I had shared uh, this after we stopped uh, broadcasting. We're still recording. It says, in that day, I will cause the close friends, related family, and lovers, eth, Aluth, the champions and confidants, those engaged in a familiar relationship with Yahudah, with Judah, the beloved of Yah, to be like, it, to be like a, a flaming platform upon a stage, a blazing cauldron in the temple, in the timbers, to be like a flaming torch among the stalks of fallen grain. And they will devour them to the right and to the left, enveloping all of the surrounding armies and people, while Jerusalem shall continue to be inhabited, succeeding with 
one thing logically following another through time and Jerusalem. Now, Kirk, you had some time, I think, to think about uh, this mm-hmm. uh, over the uh, the week. And before the show began, you said uh, this is obviously speaking of the final assault on uh, Israel, the uh, the last mm-hmm. war. Yeah, it has uh, to and be. You're, yeah, and you're right, yeah, it is. To me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what's interesting but, here is the weapons being brought against the assailants, the enemies of, uh, of Yisrael, against Yahuda, against Jerusalem. The weapons being wielded are us. <laughs> That's pretty obvious, too. We're the weapons. Uh, by yeah, by us, it's, it's every covenant member. There's there are not a lot of us right now, well, probably under a thousand worldwide. But by this time, upon Yahweh's return, because he is going to pull the blinders off the eyes of many of his people, and many of his people are going to choose uh, to recognize Yahweh by name, by reputation, by what he has done, by what he is offering, by what he is expecting in return. And so there's going to be many, many uh Yahudim and Israelites in our company, um, but nonetheless, it's us. We are the firebrands. Now, Isn't that, amazing? that is for a lot of people in the covenant. That may be difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's uh, it's uh, business as usual. Uh, and let me tell you what I mean. The idea of being responsible for eradicating people, even people who have come to destroy our family, even people who have come to destroy our home, who would destroy our home and kill all of our people if we did not stop them, even in that, there is a timidity. There is a sense of, I don't want to get involved. Now, I don't know how pervasive that may be among covenant members, I know it's very pervasive in society. Um, But Yahweh, while he is not a fan of violence, he is a good father. And if the only way to protect his family from you killing them is to kill you instead, he's going to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's the place we find ourselves and so we now as family members get to protect the, rest of the family to protect to protect the family and home i do think you remember the mm-hmm, i do too yeah. do you remember the example you gave years ago about the crib and the baby and the snake is in the bed you find the snake yeah. in the bed with your baby you don't even mm-hmm. have a thought about the right. welfare of the state Snake. You don't no. care if you're an animal right lover. You don't right. care. You kill that damn snake just as quick as you can do it because right. he's going to kill your baby. Right. What is the, you don't have to think. And remember the other story we picked up on years ago, too, when the guy came into his his barn yeah. and one yeah. of his workers was uh, raping his eight-year-old daughter? Yeah. And he hit him over the head and kept on hitting him, and he killed him. With and a two-by-four. said, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, they, yeah, somebody, the prosecutor said, uh, you know, this is, uh, um, you know, he killed him. Well, we we at least need he, to bring him up in front of a jury. And the judge says, hell no. For what? <laughs> Let's build a yeah. statue to him. No. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, in, not in my court. Um, 
Listen, I know we're making fun of that uh, too, and, and we no, should, I'm not no, making fun of it. It's, but it's but a the fact of the matter is, it's a nasty, yeah, yeah bloody job, yeah. but still, yes, who that, do you want to save? Um, that the earth is going to be returned to the conditions found in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, there was no religion. There was no politics. There were no police. There were no militaries. There's not going to be any of those things if we go into the uh, uh, this transformation uh, following Yom Kippur, Am Yahweh's return, and the beginning of the thousand-year celebration of Sukkah, of camping out with God. And so everyone that is religious, everyone that is militaristic, everyone that is patriotic, everyone that is uh, uh, overtly political, everyone who is conspiratorial, um, will have to go. <laughs> One nice thing is we won't have to have this debate with the, uh, the anti-vaxxers anymore. <laughs> there won't be any of them. <laughs> uh, I have some friends that uh, are opposed to vaccines. But don't promote anti-vaccine. They just uh, uh, want their own body to be able to uh, resolve this. And that is not to say that they won't be with us. But I will tell you that those who promote conspiracies will not. Mm -hmm. Uh, So um, we won't have that to to worry about anymore. In fact, we won't have any of the... the, There's actually two... uh, related diseases that have become the world's fastest growing religions. Uh, conspiracy um, is one of them. Conspiracy is more on the, l- on the right than on the left. And on the, uh, the right, you have the ultimate uh, conspiracies that have actually consumed the, uh, the left uh, with wokeism, uh, cancel culture, and being a progressive. Um, complete lack of, uh, of, uh, of sense and, uh, and the complete inability to uh, to reason. So that is where our world is uh, is headed, um, uh, and God is not going to allow any of those people into uh, to Eden, uh, the new Eden, and particularly those who have come to destroy Israel. They're going to be incinerated instantly. It'd be painless. Uh, instantly turned to goo. Now that's not saying that the entire experience for them is going to be painless. And that is because uh, uh, God's going to extract retribution. It is a day of retribution. Uh, what retribution means is that those people who have victimized his people, that's a long line of those. It's uh, mm-hmm. almost everybody that was in a position of power in Roman Catholicism. Um, it's a huge swath of uh, Protestant Christians. Uh, of course, it's the whole history of uh, the Nazis. But you know, you have to be careful with that when you say uh, the Nazis, because the Nazis were popular throughout Europe, because most Europeans were anti-Semites, and worse things happened even than what Hitler perpetrated in places uh, like the Ukraine, even before Hitler uh, rose to power. Uh, same things uh, happened in Russia even before Hitler rose to power uh, to influence them. And you've got every uh, every Muslim. I mean, it's uh, it's a long list of uh, of people. Uh, all of the progressives now who are so anti-Israel. In fact, while we're talking about progressives, uh, uh, uh-huh. when the Biden administration came up with this idea that we're going to couple. Um, 
Israel uh, not building any more settlements so that they can impose their two-state solution. The justification that Bilkin and the Biden administration gave is that they're being overrun by uh, complaints on settler violence. That was their excuse. Do you know that settler violence is a myth? That it was a deliberate myth established by the left to create a a sense of moral uh, equivalency so that Israel could be blamed and the fake Estonians could be exonerated and justified in their acts of terrorism seen as resistance. Hmm. Uh, there is no wholesale settler violence. Now, there, there were a couple of riotous protests. I guess riotous is probably too much of an extreme. But there were a couple of protests where, uh, where Jews just got fed up and they started uh, um, countering the Islamic uh, protests, for, you know, the Islamic protests, swastikas and death to Jews and everything. Also, they said, uh, in kind, saying, you know, death to, uh, to Muslims. Um, not smart. And it, and it backfired, and, the, uh, and that's part of what caused the world to turn against Israel as Israel tried to defend itself against the most recent onslaught of, of uh, uh, Hamas rockets. Uh, but this idea of settlers as a significant unified group attacking and killing uh, fake Estenians is, is just a myth. Are there isolated cases where a, uh, a Jew gets fed up with having family and home constantly terrorized by Muslims and and acts out and and uh, attacks not one of the direct perpetrators but someone driving by yeah, yes. yeah yeah but it is so rare and that person is always prosecuted by their the Jews to show you the difference not only is it exceedingly uncommon so that such an event they take place uh, once or twice a year versus there's an, uh, an Islamic attack against a Jew uh, that is, occurs almost daily. Uh, that not only is you have that huge amount of disproportion, but in Israel, when a person, a settler or anyone else, attacks an innocent person, not in self-defense, uh, they are immediately arrested they're tried, they're convicted, and they're imprisoned. When a Pakistanian harms or kills a Jew, they have paid for slay. They become heroes. Their families are, uh, are paid. Uh, they're worshipped by the community. And so for the left to create this argument of settler violence, and therefore we need Israel to stop building homes, is is one more proof that the left, the progressives, the wokeism of have lost their minds. They're out, absolutely out of their minds, uh, incapable of thinking. Now, the, the woke police will probably ban us for making that statement. <laughs> Maybe they ought to listen because it's true. Now, this does answer a question, Kirk, that we have uh, talked about uh, for some time, uh, which is that we 
now know that those who are harvested on Teruwa will be instantly transformed into spiritual beings with the capacity to manifest physical attributes when desired. But on this particular occasion, uh, we as spiritual beings are going to be returning with a divine quality of, uh, of appearing as fire and being likened to blazing cauldrons and flaming torches. Uh, we will play a role in, uh, in exterminating those who would exterminate Jews. Now, we have every reason to think, based upon what Yahweh has said, that the two witnesses that are going to be here uh, beginning um, Pesach in 2030, uh, arriving in Jerusalem, um, that they're going to have the same capacity. Their words will devour the combustible stubble of those who um, challenge them. So it appears now that every member of God's covenant family is going to be similarly equipped, which should surprise us. Wow, it did. Yeah. Um, Yah was never again going to allow Jerusalem to be destroyed. It's going to be badly damaged because it needs to be badly damaged for Kippurim to be satisfactory. Uh, Jews have gone so long denying Yahweh, denying his covenant, denying his Torah uh, for their fake Torah, the Talmud, uh, even denying their name, Jews is a, or Yehudim as opposed to Jews, uh, that it's going to take something catastrophic for them to finally listen. And that catastrophic is going to be a complete disintegration of all of the things they have trusted to their religion, their politics, their IDF, their weapons, all of it, mm-hmm. their unnamed God, all of it. And so Jerusalem is going to be heavily damaged, but it will not fall. It's also interesting to note that while 1.5 billion Muslims seek the eradication of Jews and Israel. And while they have done their utmost politically, religiously, economically, and militarily to vanquish God's chosen people and occupy the promised land, they will continue to fail. And the Muslims and multiculturalists seeking the eradication of Jews will... uh, be treated fairly, they will be eradicated. Uh, first, Jerusalem shall continue to be inhabited and supported now and forevermore. And second, the events Yahweh has planned and foretold will succeed with one thing logically following another throughout time in an orderly succession of events that play out in Jerusalem. And we have monitored this succession of events, the fulfillment of Pesach, Matzabakurim, and Shabuah. In your 4,000 Yah, 33 CE, fulfillment of Teruah, Sukkah, and Kippurim, with the last two being fulfilled in 6,000 Yah, which is 33, or 2033 mm-hmm. CE. Now, I'm, well, I can't say I'm convinced. Um, I, I think it is highly likely that our, uh, our quest, at least my quest, to 
uh, out of curiosity to know when the Teruah harvest was going to occur. It could occur as early as 2026. I think that's highly unlikely. It could occur in 2027, and I know we have some covenant members that like that date. Could occur in 2028, could occur in 2029. It cannot occur in 2030. No. And the reason for that is the Teruah harvest um, uh, precedes the arrival of the two witnesses because there's a while where there are no witnesses for Yahweh. He says his spirit uh, pulls away from the parts. Yeah, yeah, the parts. So personally, I have rooted for the last possible date, which is I want it to be in 2029. It's yeah. not that I don't want to go and spend time uh, prancing around the universe and enjoying Yahweh's company and getting to uh, to know some of my heroes, uh, Moshe and, and uh, Dode and Elia and, and Yashaya, to name a few. Um, mm-hmm. Noach even. Uh, my reason is that we have all eternity to spend together and another year, two or three to proclaim Yah's message to call his people home. Uh, it's likely that more people will respond to it and that Yah's Kippurim return will be more uh, more popularly attended. Uh, if well, we you don't want to leave anything on. Yeah. Right. And you don't so want to leave anything on the field. Uh, I mean, this... let's, yeah, let's, let's finish the job. It's not that much more time. Mm. I, so I, I was eager to finish the job. I, but quite frankly, I'm biased. I really like this job. I think it's a really fun job. I think it's exceedingly rewarding. And the last thing I want to have occur is for Yahweh to be disappointed because we didn't do our job well enough and there's very few people uh, willing to attend Kippurim and acknowledge him by name. I don't want Yahweh to, to look at us and say, you know, guys, <laughs> it's pretty dead. He's here and... and um, I don't want to point any fingers. You, you, could have done a better, you could have done a better job. I don't want that to happen. Yeah. And no. so I'd like to have all of that time. This strongly suggests that uh, it's going to be in 2029. Um, so that, that's my uh, my take. I, I think that is when uh, the true harvest is uh, is going to occur. If it happens sooner than that, then uh, so be it. But. Uh, that uh, makes for a longer period of time without any uh, any witnesses. Yeah. yeah. So, as uh, as we continue to uh, to think about this, I I, I realize that the Hasidic are way too busy worshiping their predecessors and wallowing in their manure to consider the Word of God, and and so this is just going to um, all pass them by. And I, you know, I understand that uh, Christians are are deluded by this false notion that their Jesus is going to come back, uh, arms open, to embrace his church, and are clueless that that Jesus isn't the Messiah, is not the Son of God, that's not his name, and he is not returning. Uh, it just almost nobody gets Dode or Yosha right. And so no. that's why they're all so confused. It's Dode who is returning because Dode David is the Messiah. He is the Masiach. He is the King of Kings. He is the Son of God. 
He is the shepherd. And it is he who is returning with Yahweh. And that does not diminish the role that Yosha played. It was exceedingly important, but neither Christian nor Jew understands it. And that's hard to believe because uh, Dode wrote uh, eloquently about it in uh, Mizmor Psalm 22 and 88, and Yashiyah wrote brilliantly about it in, uh, in Yashiyah 53, that uh, is the Passover lamb. That's a very important job. I had a question. Yeah. As I was, if, I, if I may, if I, as I was going through this, uh, I also read all the comments, made a, read a lot of commentaries. I couldn't find one that had the story right. All of them have, I'm talking, this, these are Christian uh, commentators. And they've all got the, uh, the church, you know, all this is happening, what, you just, what we just described in 6 and, and now in 7 and, and 8. Everything here is described in reestablishing the church and, and for Jesus Christ's sake and on and on and on and on and on. Uh, yeah. And this now, 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 now here's, my, here's my question or my, my confusion, uh, thinking about what they're saying. I'm saying, now, wait, wait a minute, who, who do they think that Yahweh is taking these people to destroy are? Yes. I mean, for God's and, sake. And why, if it's uh, Jesus Christ that is coming back, why does God say dode? Next statement. Yeah. Dode. <laughs> well, that's too obvious. And, and by the way, what? if God is defending Jerusalem, Yehudim, and Yisrael, where does that then, put the Christians? They've got to be on the other side, don't they? Where does, yeah, where does it put the other side, which are the Christians or the Muslims? Yeah, now, if this is yeah, I mean, I know Paul said that dode, David is uh, dead and buried. He ain't coming back. Uh-huh. But, yeah. So when he does come yeah, back... What then? Yeah. Religion dies hard, so I, it, it, there is nothing that's going to change any of this. I mean, God himself could knock on the door of the Vatican and uh, give him the chance they'd crucify him because he'd be a heretic. Yeah, so I... I, I, it's just, amazing I just go, how do you, so how do you sell this? No, how do you sell it? You know, I... I, for a while there, uh, Kirk, as I was uh, uh-huh. translating uh, uh, the book of Galatians and Paul's uh, rhetoric, and I'd read stuff that was so utterly wrong, you know, where Paul would say that, uh, that, the, uh, that the covenant created on, uh, on, on Sinai was of the flesh because it was with... Uh, 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 the uh, the slave woman uh, Hagar and therefore it enslaved and and you go wait a minute huh what what is wrong with every Christian who has ever lived who has read that and not said no the opposite of that's true the 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 covenant that was provided to us uh, from Sinai Horeb was with Sarah and and Hagar and Ishmael were expressly excluded. What he is writing is the exact opposite. Opposite. Yeah. Well, why isn't there a single one of them with a brain? <laughs> That's my point. Uh, so I'm just, you know, just after I, I searched and I, and, and I I must have read a hundred or more 
Christian explanations of trying to justify Paul's lie. And they wallow all over themselves. And there isn't a single argument that any one of them made that made any sense. But, uh, you know, liars lie. It's what liars do. It's the basis of religion. Yahweh will rescue and deliver, save and protect Yahudah's homes and households, first and foremost, so that the honor and glory of the house of Dod and the splendor of the inhabitants of Jerusalem are not surpassed by Yahudah. Wow. Well, so, so much for replacement theology. So much for the basis of Christianity. So much for the uh, for Jesus returning for his church. So much for Jews not knowing who the Messiah is. It's doubt. And it's Yahweh who is personally rescuing his people. Now the reason that the Hasidic, the ultra-Orthodox, and even the Reformed Jews don't know any of this. They don't know Yahweh. That's a name you will find nowhere in the, uh, in the Jewish world. Nowhere. Not in the Talmud, not in the Mishnah, uh, not even in their readings of the Torah. They've written them out, and therefore the notion that Yahweh rescuing them, delivering and saving them, is completely alien to them. But here he says, I'm going to rescue, deliver, and save Yahudah's homes, their household, their family, first and foremost, so that the honor and glory of the house of Dod and the splendor of the inhabitants of Jerusalem are not surpassed by Yahudah. Now, Yahweh does love Jerusalem. He has done his best work in Jerusalem. He affirmed the covenant and what would become Jerusalem. He established Dode's kingdom, his beloved son, in Jerusalem. He fulfilled Pesach, Matzah, Bakodim, and Shabuah in Jerusalem. He will fulfill uh, Kippurim and Sukkah in Jerusalem. His home uh, for the thousand years we celebrate Sukkah is going to be in Jerusalem. Jerusalem actually means the source of guidance on reconciliation. So it means a lot to him. But there's something that means more to Yahweh than Jerusalem. And that's Living Yahweh. That order. Yes, Yahweh. Yeah. They are the beloved of Yah. And so he is, well, he loves Jerusalem. It's going to be the most magnificent city in the world. Nothing will ever surpass Yahweh's love for Yahudah. Dode himself was from the house of Yahudah, had sovereignty over a united Israel, ruling from Jerusalem. And while all of these will be enveloped in majesty, the ranking with Yahweh is Dode, Yahudah, Yisrael, which is actually the house of Dode, and then mm -hmm. Jerusalem. Now, to come in fourth in God's list, that's uh, a pretty good thing. Hey, to come in, come forth. Yeah, okay. yeah, I'd, I'd be in, the, in God's top four. <laughs> that's a pretty darn good thing. So, but they are Dod, Yehuda, Yisrael, and Jerusalem. Now, 
of course, that's a, a little like asking a chocoholic if she prefers chocolate cake, chocolate pie, chocolate ice cream, or chocolate cookies, right? Um, mm-hmm. They're all they're all uh, pretty darn good. Dode, who Yahweh calls his firstborn and his chosen one, is not uh, individually listed because he's um, uh, working with Yahweh, delivering delivering Mm -hmm. Yahudah first, and then Yisrael, the house of Dode, second. Uh, he, He is the embodiment of everything Yahweh is attempting to do. Um, he is the embodiment of the covenant. He is the embodiment of what it means to be a shepherd. He is the embodiment of what it means to to understand and to be right with God. He's, he's actually the embodiment of something else that, uh, boy, I tell you what, you read the Proverbs, and it comes through very strongly. And also, if you read the Torah, particularly the Barim, it comes through very strongly. God's not into wimps. The, the passive people do not trip his trigger. He likes strong individuals. He likes people that have a backbone, that will stand up and will resist what is evil, who will fight for his, his people and for his home, for his truth. And Dode was magnificent at it. So it's something that God likes. But there is a statement in... Um, and one of the Proverbs, uh, I think it's the 28th, um, it was um, one I was translating yesterday. And it actually was startling. It says that uh, an insignificant, uh, an indifferent shepherd um, or leader shames the father. So those people who aren't making a difference who um, are wasting their lives um, actually embarrass Yahweh. Wow. And the reason he's saying that is that he has, as a father, done so much to raise us so that we will have a backbone, so that we will stand up for what's right, that, that we will work with him to protect and educate and, and raise his children. Um, and so with all that God has said and taught us and made available to us, with all that he has offered, with all that he has sacrificed to achieve this, for a leader, a shepherd to be milk toast, to be just insignificant, is shameful. It uh, humiliates him. And I can see why that would, uh, would be if, if, I offered you, as you know, you uh, visited me. If I offered you um, a million-dollar home here on St. Croix overlooking the Caribbean Sea, and, uh, mm-hmm. and you said, eh, nah, I can do better on my own. Uh, no thanks. It'd be hurtful. It'd be hurtful. And that's the guy, well, I'm, I'm offering you my home. Yeah, try me. <laughs> try me. See if you <laughs> Uh, just an example. Okay. <laughs> Yahweh is, uh, is offering his home, eternal life, the entire universe, uh, perfecting us, adopting us, all of that. And his people have routinely said, no, no, we can do better on our own. 
Not even thanks, but no thanks. Wow. But no, no, we'll just do better on our own. That's embarrassing. It's humiliating to God. Now, his own people, the people he communicated through, the people that he liberated, the people in whose language he gave these prophetic testimonies, said, no, 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 we, we, we can do better on our own. We're going to create our own uh, Torah. Thanks. Uh, no, no thanks for yours. We, we can do a better job. That finds it embarrassing. So as we recognize that Yahweh will be uh, sculpting his new home with light, it's true that all the covenant members, including Dode, who are going to be enjoying it are also going to be as radiant as their homes are glorious. The way this is worded, we know that Yahudah is Yahweh and Dode's first priority. And yet, when it's all said and done, it will be no more majestic than Jerusalem. And that is because Yahweh is going to treat all of his children as if they were royalty, even those of us who are adopted. And, you know, this is good news. I've always thought uh, that uh, we're recognized that we're, we're playing an important role called Yahweh's chosen people home. But once our role is done, they take precedence over us. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not ethnically okay. a Yehudim, and I was I'm very comfortable with that fact, tremendously comfortable, because of the fact is, I don't want any responsibility. Um, eternity sounds like a really wonderful place just to uh, hang out and do fun stuff. Why do you want responsibility, right? I've got enough of that. Uh, so that, that was always appealing uh, to, uh, to me. But I just I don't think that's the way it's going to be. I think that once uh, we're past the millennial Shabbat, where uh, yeah, I was going to administer the world through his family and through uh, and and Yisrael that after that period of time I I do think we're all going to be on uh, on reasonably equal footing with uh, Dode being uh, supreme among the equals so on that day Yahweh will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem and he will have their backs so it will exist that the wavering and weak need among them on that day will be likened to and compared to Dode. Uh, and the house of Doed will be like God, similar to a spiritual implement and heavenly messenger of Yahweh in their appearance. Well, that's really fascinating. So on that day, Yahweh is going to have Jerusalem's back. That's kind of the terminology we use today, doesn't it? So he's, he actually yep. wrote it. As uh, uh, as we would say it today, uh, don't worry about uh, it uh, if you're an inhabitant of Jerusalem. I'm going to have your back. Then, then the next is that we we have a lot of weak need people. Terrorism makes them weak need. They have post-traumatic stress syndrome and all that sort of thing. Uh, and he said, no, at that time, I'm not going to have any more patsies. There's not going to be any more tremblers. Now, everyone that day is going to be like Dode. Dode was courageous, man. Whatever, if there was someone attacking 
Yisrael, Dode was on their case map. Yeah, I'm on it. And, yeah. and, and he led uh, the, the defense of, uh, of Yisrael from the front. He had no fear. And so God's going to say, everybody's going to be like that, which means, guess what? God likes that. Uh, he's not telling you to go out and slash anybody or pick up your sword or don't do any of that sort of thing. The only place that you can fight on behalf of God is under his express instructions in Yisrael at the right time and only under the orchestration of Yahweh through Dot. So between now and then, talk about it. You have no license for, uh, for violence. Now, the other part that is so interesting here is that God is saying that we're all going to be like Dote. He didn't say we're all going to be like Jesus, did he? He didn't say we're all going to be like Hashem. He didn't say we're all going to be like... Uh, uh, the Rambam. Yeah. No. He sure, said, I would no, have seen that if it was there. Yeah. Right. We're all going to be like Dode, and it's Dawid here, uh, and we'll talk yeah. about the difference between Dode and Dawid. Uh, but mm-hmm. he said, no, we're all going to be like Dode. And the house of Dawid will be like God. So not only will we be like Dode, who was the ultimate lovable rogue. I mean, he was a man's man. He was a Renaissance man, the, the, uh, the heroic defender of his people, the majestic shepherd of the flock, the uh, inspired and brilliant linguist and uh, songwriter, uh, a man who uh, knew a thing about love. He was the complete guy. Yeah, flawed too. That made them interesting. We're all going to be like Dode. Uh, one of the things that this is reassuring, uh, uh, Kirk, for uh, for me, yeah. probably for you, is that mm-hmm. for a long time I said we would be wise to study Dode because God goes out of his way to say he's my guy. I love him. He's my son. I'm his father. He's right. He's my chosen one. For God to say such things of Dode, he's the Masayach Messiah. He's the shepherd of my people. He is the king of kings. He, he is my beloved. That it means that Dode has attributes. He has made decisions he understands things and does things, thinks things, pursues things that God finds exceedingly pleasing. More pleasing than anyone else who has ever lived. God loves Dode even more than Moshe. More than Noah, more than Adam, more than Abraham. More mm-hmm. than Yermiah and Yashiah. So it behooves us, if we want to be liked by God, if we want to be useful to Yahweh, to try to emulate as much of this man's character, 
approach, knowledge, understanding, attitude, proclivities, as we can. So I said, so we should study Dode to be more like him. And so what this says, on that day, we're all going to be like him. Well, that sort of makes the approach that I have encouraged pretty bulletproof, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. If God affirms what you're trying to say, you're probably saying the right thing. That's right. So, so we're well all done. going to be like Dode because that's what God likes. He likes yeah. character. Yeah. That's some yeah. guts. He, guts. He, he does not like the feminization of his people. Listen, he, God loves women. He's, uh, yeah, uh, as a matter of fact, one of the, the Proverbs, uh, when it was, uh, uh, it speaks of, of I think, uh, an errant translation of the evil woman. I don't think it's an evil woman at all. Uh, and in it, God actually says the, the life, the soul of the woman is exceedingly worthwhile. And yet you would toss it away. I think he's very angry that Judaism has become an exceedingly misogynist yeah, uh, yeah. religion. You know, in Judaism, uh, it is considered uh, promiscuity to allow a woman to even study the Torah, to read it. Um, and so it is a misogynist religion, and God is saying a woman's soul is worth so much more than that. So God is defending and loves uh, women, but he really prefers it when a woman acts like a woman and a man acts like a man. You know, God's not saying that he uh, loved uh, Abraham more than Sarah. In fact, I'm here to tell you, Sarah's a lot more likable than Abraham. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the fact of the matter is that his people have demeaned women, and uh, that's not what God is into. But he wants men to act like men. And there are some characteristics of men that I think Yahweh would be very comfortable with women um, embodying. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for example, uh, Dode was a, a great songwriter, exceedingly articulate, articulate, knew the Torah inside and out, was brilliant when it came to, uh, to all of that, uh, was a man of character, integrity, background, willing to fight to support the family. These are all characteristics that women can embody as well. So Dode can be a role model for, for all of us, not just for, uh, for men. Then God says that uh, not only will we all be like Dode and that Dode will be like God. As a matter of fact, there is a psalm where God says that uh, he is, that Dode is as God, that is as brilliant as the sun. And we're going to be like Dode, which means we are also going to be brilliant and light and like God. We're all going to be similar to a spiritual implement and heavenly messenger in the sense that they are energy-based beings. This is in Zechariah. Yeah. This is in the 12th chapter of Zechariah, where God is t- trying to tell us, this is what's going to happen on Kippurim. And the entire book of Zechariah is, is prophetic testimony about the conditions immediately before, 
during and immediately after Kippurim, the fulfillment of it in year 6,000 Yah. So we are now being told that since Yahweh is light, we're going to become light. Now, as photon of light, then time simply exists. We, uh, it's eternal. Whereas, as light, it means that we can explore the entire universe because we could transverse whatever it is, 92 billion light years across, um, a diameter of uh, or a radius of 46 uh, billion light years. We can go from where we are to any point in the universe not in 42 billion light years, in zero time. Because on a photon of light, time simply exists, and uh, speed is distance over time. And if time is, uh, is zero, the speed is infinite. So that is, uh, is how we get to explore the universe. And as a photon of light, we are not restricted to all of the issues in 3D. We're not only infinite in time, uh, but we are, we benefit from Einstein's equation, uh, E equals MC squared, so that, that as energy, we're just not a little bit bigger, more powerful, energized, uh, enriched than we are as material beings. We are uh, the square of that uh, times the, 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 speed of light. So that's the difference of what we are now versus what we're going to be. And beyond all that, we go from being a three-dimensional construct stuck in the fourth dimension of time to be liberated in the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh dimensions, each of those infinitely beyond what we can currently fathom. So as their father and their god, Yahweh will defend and protect the house of Dode. Now, that means something that God's going to emphasize here in a moment. If we are all like Dode, who's God? Dad. Mm-hmm. If we're oh, like Dode, we yeah, are yeah. the sons and daughters of God. Because that's what he said of Dode. If we're all like Dode, guess what? We're all chosen ones. Yeah. If we're all like Dode, we're all shepherds. If we're all like Dode, guess what? We're all kings. If we're all like Dode, guess what? We're all anointed messiahs. Said we're all like Dode. That's what Dode is. This is this is as good as it gets. You can't get better than Dode. And we're all going to be like Dode. And this is not the the Dode who was the bigger-than-life individual and king of Yisrael and the man who slayed uh, Goliath yeah. and the man who, who uh, prepared the Temple Mount and who gave birth to a nation yeah, this and defeated every, every foe. This is yeah. Dode is God. <laughs> this is a really good thing, this uh, is Zachariah 12a. And you could you could say, all right, God, I'm writing this, I'm writing this down, here. and I'm coming to you with this promise. So there we go. Uh, Yahweh's going to defend and protect the house of Dode, and therefore Yisrael and Yahudam and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. 
he has their backs. And if you're looking for God at this time, you will find him among his people. Now, one of Doe's many exemplary attributes, uh, one of the things that's really likable about him, and I guess this is, I'm a drawback, I'm still an analog guy, I, um, I really like courage. I also like integrity. Uh, integrity, of course, uh, went out when they uh, they invented the calculator, I think. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> integrity is just so rare anymore. It's almost not worth mentioning, but uh, because people don't even know what the word means. Um, I wrote in this previous chapter that uh, Yahweh likes people who are intrepid. And uh, I was reading it to Leah, and it says, she says, you know what percentage of people that are going to read this are going to know what the word intrepid means? So like 1%. And these are words that at one time meant something that we don't even know what they mean anymore. Oh, intrepid happens to be a pretty darn good word. Dode was intrepid. Courageous, uh, adventurous, um, bold. And that's what God's uh, looking for. Uh, Dode also led by example. He uh, talked the talk, he walked the walk. And that way he's very much like his father. As with Dode, as with those who follow his lead, we can, we should, and we will demonstrate very similar resolve and character, courage, demonstrating the will to fight to defend the family. All going to be um, ubiquitous among uh, the Covenant's children. And you know this, um, some of the, uh, the women in our company that I have a hunch are going to like that. You know, that's, um, they're going to enjoy um, being liberated to, uh, to explore the, their full potential. Now, even better, just as Dode is likened unto God upon his return, uh, the same situation is for us. In fact, the entire reason we're told about Dode and so much about him is because God is offering through him exactly what he offered to him. I mean, I can't carry a tune in a bucket, but I'd love to be able to sing. I'm going to be able to. Um, I uh, think I'm a, a, a reasonably eloquent writer and becoming more so with, uh, with time as I, as I practice. And yet I don't measure up to, uh, to Moshe or Dote, but I'm going to. Um, I think a pretty courageous guy. I, I know nothing to fear. But, you know, it's one thing to, um, to be able to talk about it. It's another thing to be confronted with it. And Dode, uh, Dode was heroic in this, uh, in this regard. Now, thankfully, we're going to be likened to Dode, similar to God, with the appearance of a Malak, which I guess is the best of all possibilities. It is, therefore, the enriched and empowered, the emboldened and fearless who are inheriting the kingdom of God, not the mealy-mouthed or the meek. Now, every time Dode's name appears in a Mizmor in the Psalms, and thus by his own hand, it is written DWD. Mm -hmm. DWD, of course, reads the same left to right, right to left, 
DWD means beloved. It, uh, it is a common noun in, in Hebrew. Uh, and as DWD, the uh, two consonants and a vowel, the vowel is in the middle, it would be dot. Dode's contemporary Shamuel also ascribed the Masiach's name as DWD. Of the 1,073 appearances, plus or minus seven occurrences, depending on who you used as the resource, it's like the guy that's got uh, one watch and he'll say, you know, it's exactly... Um, uh, well, right now it uh, it would be 9:43 in the middle of the uh, the Atlantic Ocean, uh, and they'd say, "Ah, oh, that's time." The guy that's got two watches, uh, he's not so sure. The guy that's got three watches, he's not going to even give you a guess. Uh, and so, so it is when uh, you're reading lexicons and say, "How many times does this word appear?" So, of the 1,073 plus or minus seven occurrences, depending on the resource. The king's name uh, in various of the uh, Masoretic texts, um, approximately 1,144, inclusive of the noun, Dode, DWD, is written uh, in the uh, longer form as Dode 285 times. So 144 total, uh, as, uh, uh, and then 285 of those are written with a, with the addition of the Y, Doed. Of those occasions, uh, they are mostly from the books uh, assigned to the Second Temple period. So, you know, the First Temple was built um, uh, post-Dode, and then the ones that, and all of those books um, spell it DWD, and then you have the books of the Second where they add the uh, the Y. So uh, with, there's some mixed usage uh, in there as well. Uh, and I think this is important because we do take the approach of uh, presenting it as dote. And yet there is justification for doid, um, uh, particularly from the books of the Second Temple period. So every book belonging to the First Temple period or not later than the first part of the 6th century BCE presents the Masiach's name as Dode, uh, Deleth, uh, Wa, Deleth. So the doorway on, uh, on either side of that which makes us uh, secure and uh, adds and increases us. Is that how you would... Um, that would that's very good. Yes, we've talked about that many times. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so it's the, uh, the doorway which is increases uh, to uh, God's home. To be even more specific in the, uh, the script of the uh, prophet who knew him best, Shamuel, uh, Dode's name appears 575 times in the, uh, in the testimony of Shamuel, all 575 times as DWD as Dode and not a single time as uh, Doed. The three-letter spelling is further reinforced in uh, 4Q Sam B which is dated to 250 BCE, and thus is among the oldest of the scrolls. In Malekim Kings, the uh, name of the King of Kings is written 93 times as DWD, Dote. 
appearing three times is Dawid, which is likely from the hands of a later copyist. And his own Mizmor Psalms and the Mashal Proverbs, the prophet's uh, name is scribed as DWD, Dod, all 88 times. In the major prophets, Yashaya, Yermaya, Ezekiel, we find DWD Dode written 28 times, while Dawid appears just once. In the books attributed to his great-grandmother and to his son, um, Ruth and Ecclesiastes, all three occasions of Yahweh's chosen one were written as Dode. The exception to this rule is found in the minor prophets, such as Zachariah and Malachi, where we uh, find Dod once uh, and Dawid eight times. It is only in Chronicles, Ezra, and Nehemiah, which were among the last books compiled, that we find Dawid written all 271 times, comprising 95% of the total that are Dawid. Uh, Dode's name is based upon Dode, Strong's uh, H 1730, which appears as a noun 61 times and means beloved. The only name which appears more often than Dode's in the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms would be with that other guy. What's his name? Uh, Yahweh. Yeah, Yahweh's name appears more often. Uh, the other guy. Dad. It is curious that the older, originally clearly preferred and predominant spelling as Dode is considered defective in biblical scholarship. Matter of fact, uh, I had a fellow that read uh, Questioning Paul, a a Jewish fellow, uh, uh, pretty much full of himself. And he said that uh, uh, my transliterations were dated and that there there were more current transliterations. And give me a great example would be, of course, David. There's no V in Hebrew, and there's no justification no. for the I, but nonetheless, uh, David. And uh, and the Wa is pronounced as either an O or the U sound, and so there's no Da in, uh, in Dote. Uh, and so I, my preference is lay out the letters. This is what the, the sound of those letters. So they'll take uh, Mitzwa. Uh, mm-hmm. Mitzvah is a instructive uh, uh, condition, uh, an informative uh, term uh, that explains what God is offering and expects in return, particularly uh, in relation to the covenant relationship. And they have turned Mitzvah, which is uh, a mem, uh, and then mm-hmm. the TS, the Tazday, uh, the Wa, mm-hmm. and the Hey. And, but it's not that in, uh, in the modern uh, rabbinical transliteration. No, it's, uh, it's uh, mitzvot. And, the, uh, and rather than the, um, uh, the TS, it's a TZ. Now, there's a Z in Hebrew. Yeah. But, but the Z is not in the word, right? And there's no, a there's no in it. Uh, yeah. And there's no V in Hebrew, and yet they have a V. And the last letter is a hey, and yet they change it to a T. So I'm here to tell you that you're right. My transliterations are actually based upon 
the sounds that the uh, the, the <laughs> letters. letters actually make. Yeah, uh, that that's that's uh, that's my preference. How dare you? Uh, how, dare how dare you? you? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, anyway, uh, so all of this is uh, is is important because this man is God's beloved son, and so if there's a name to get right after Yahweh's name, which would be the first choice, the next most important name to get right is the second most repeated name and that would person. be Dode. Yeah. So let's call his son, you know, uh, my uh, youngest son, his name is Blake. And if mm-hmm. you were to call him uh, Bum, I, I would say no. His name is Blake. It's not Bum. Uh, and, and so Yahweh named him Dode. It's not David. Try to honor the father by getting his son's name right. So the rationale of those who call the name uh, defective is tainted by the fact that they believe that the wa is a consonant rather than a vowel, which, of course, belies any logical review of the Torah, which the O sound in Torah comes from the wa. Uh, They make the claim that the wa in Yahweh's name, um, thereby claiming that it is unpronounceable. Okay, well, I suppose that we are to believe that poor diction and Perhaps dyslexia ran in the family such that neither Yahweh nor his son, Dode, knew how to write or pronounce their own names. Or maybe not. Occam's uh, Razor, attributed to William of uh, Occam, who uh, uh, proposed that when choosing between hypotheses, the one requiring the fewest assumptions is preferable. Boy, that just rings true with me would lead us to the conclusion that perhaps it is biblical scholarship which is defective. <laughs> just me, I gotta jump I gotta jump in for just a second. If yeah. I mean okay. when you finish it. Um, every time I see Yahweh and like when we did twelve six or twelve seven I think it starts out with Yahweh. I look it up anyway. And I know I know what I'm gonna find, but it just is is my Biggest gripe, and so I, so I say angry most of the time, I think, because of this one. Mm-hmm. 3068 is always said on every lexicon or, or in linearity, it'll have Lord. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then it's going then right next to it, right next to it, it's going to say Yahweh, and then it's going to give you the number, and then it's going to say the proper name of God of the Israel of Israel. And then it'll say it also see Haya. Okay, so I'm thinking to myself every time I do this, we know that Lord is Baal. We know that Lord is not his name, is Satan's title. Mm-hmm. We know that it's, it, why is it in the same page you can find words like Haya, Torah, mm-hmm. Yara, which is the verb for Torah, everything mm-hmm. they'll pronounce with an A-H, Mm-hmm. And, but they cannot stand his name so mad that they have to change it, even if they use it at all, to E H A. And you have Eloah and God in the A H. Mm-hmm. You have Shalom for the O mm-hmm. W. Everything you've talked about a million times. But I still, I, I just look at these things every time I look at up from this uh, this one or that one or the ones mm-hmm. that I use on a regular basis. And I keep saying, how dumb do you have to be? In well, what do you do have this. to do is, is to take a transliteration like Torah, which I, I write it as T-O-W-R-A-H, because the, yeah. uh, uh, that explains that, first of all, that's how it's written, T-W, 
uh, uh, R, uh, hey, H. Uh, and two of those letters are vowels. Mm-hmm. And so the O and the A in Torah come from the Wa and from the He. Yes. So if it is antiquated, uh, I think it's instructive to write the words as God wrote the words. It is his Torah. And so it should be spelled as he spelled it and pronounced as his letters dictate it should be pronounced. It is Torah. And because they remove the W from the rabbinic spelling, and it's uh, T-O-R-A-H, they don't know that it's the Wa, the W, that's making that vowel sound. They're clueless as to it. So that's how they don't know how to pronounce Yahweh's name is is the letters which are there they they remove from words like shalom you'll never see a, a yeah. w in in shalom unless you're reading no. No. one of the books that i've written sure but yet that's the source of the uh, the wall and then they use the block letters and then they put uh, vowel points on them just to really yes. confuse everything which who is babylon if it's not these people yeah, I ah, do. Confusion. Uh, yeah, yeah. And of course, now Hebrew I, has a, uh, a an alphabet, same 22 letters, uh, that uh, doesn't need any diacritical markings, that every word can be pronounced, because yeah, quite honestly, there were five vowels all along. 17 consonants, five vowels. So... Ultimately, uh, folks, uh, empowered by God, we become like God, his envoys, his representatives. Uh, and the more we rely upon Yahweh, the more effective we become. Ultimately, it all comes down to Dote. Yahweh chose him, fell in love with him, anointed him, inspired him, promoted him, doing all this for a reason. He had character. He had courage. He was right about God. He was not only Torah observant, he wrote vociferously about what he had learned. The student became a teacher, the follower, a leader. Ultimately, we are with Yahweh and his people, or we are against him and them. This decision is literally life and death. This is now Zechariah, which means to remember Yah, Zechariah 12.9. And it will come about at that time what time the fulfillment of yom kippurim mm-hmm. that i will seek mm-hmm. to hold responsible and thus accountable by choosing to decimate and exterminate all of the gentiles who have come against jerusalem all, all means all that's all all means and mm-hmm. uh, if you are a goyim and you are opposed to Israel, and, well, I see you're like the Biden administration. You will have uh, no settlements. You'll build no home. Because, frankly, building a home for someone to live is a bigger crime than somebody building a nuclear bomb to make certain no one lives. That's the new mindset uh, among the progressives. Well, it's going to come about that God's going to say, nonsense. All I care about is my people. And if you are against them, well, I have a remedy for that. It's called uh, annihilation. And it's really the, the best thing, most compassionate thing God can do. Those who would decimate 
Yisrael and Yehuda and and uh, Jerusalem left unchallenged would destroy the planet such that no one can live. And so they're either eliminated so that God's family can live or the entire we planet is destroyed. We all die. Mm-hmm. Uh, God's not going to allow this entire experiment to end up with us all dying. He is not going to dishonor his promise to Abraham that he made so many other times to Yisrael in the Torah. He's going to honor it. And to honor it, he must eliminate the rats that are choosing to destroy, sicken his people. Now, of course, this shatters the myth that God wants to save everyone uh, such that none would perish. And be advised, uh, should you be among the great majority who would uh, give uh, Jerusalem to the Fakistinian terrorists, your days are numbered. You know what's so interesting, too, that, that among mm-hmm. those who are the most shrill now against Israel, against um, uh, the nation even existing, um, are progressive Jews. Progressive Jews I know, that's, are that's the, most, scary, yeah, the most shrill voice against Israel. But uh, it is. It will take true. something horrific. Yeah, it's going to take something horrific for them to listen to this. I mean, mm. if, uh, somebody asked me the other day. We were no. talking about this, this a while back. No. But you know, I said, "Well, what will happen? It'll have to be that kind of pressure because they won't listen." No. I won't pick no, up I, I, mean, I, be- I beg to differ. Uh, okay. The the, um, the progressive, the conspiratorial among Jews, the mm-hmm. uh, um, the Hasidic. Ultra-Orthodox among Jews, well, well, even the Orthodox among Jews. Can't get through them. Is that what you're saying? And, and yeah. No. Okay. That, no, they're, they're – goodbye. No, they're, they're never yeah. – they're never going to open up to Yahweh. They, uh, they, they're atheists. Uh, mm-hmm. They are religious. They are political. They're not going to give it up. And you mm-hmm. can't become part of the covenant. You can't uh, accept – a relationship with Yahweh, enter into one, enter heaven, uh, enter into the millennial sh- sh- celebration of, of Sukkah. None of that is possible if you are religious, political, conspiratorial, um, progressive. It's impossible. And I don't see any of them giving that up. So uh, I think that the best we can achieve is that some perhaps one in a million goyim and about 20% of, of uh, Jews and Israelites okay. are mm-hmm. going to be receptive to Yah's message. So the, the point you were making that something has to be really bad, and it's going to get really bad. Um, yeah. The world as we know it is going to continue well, the world as we know it isn't the world that we knew even two years ago. Uh, corona forever changed the world, and we're never going back. Uh, and in fact, it's going to get progressively worse. So the world as we know it no longer exists, as we knew it no longer exists, and it's going to get very, very bad, and it has to get very, very bad, even for that 20% to listen. 
So mm-hmm. we will continue to do our best to uh, to expose yes those Yehudim yeah. to the truth. We will do our very best to expose and condemn Judaism so that uh, they understand they're going to have to reject Judaism for them to become Yehudim again. Um, your point is valid, but not on the people you're talking about. I, I think that mm-hmm. there is a 0% chance yeah, that we're going to have progressives in the covenant, that we're going to have uh, wokers in the, uh, in the covenant, that we're going to have any conspiratorialist in the covenant, uh, that we'll have um, any religious person, any political person, any patriotic person. None of them will be covenant. Yeah. Now that's the prerequisite. You've got to give that up. No, I understand that. Yeah, I just, I just hope the number would be bigger. Uh, if, if it got bad enough, somebody would pay attention. But I don't think. I'm, you know what I'm, you said the other day. I am not. Um, I, I used to be. Uh-huh. I'm not anymore. And I, mm-hmm. I haven't been for some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want the number of uh, of individuals who accept Yahweh to be acceptable to Yahweh. Uh, Beyond that, I really don't care. Yahweh uh, mm-hmm. has made it clear from the very beginning in terms of who he has chosen to work with that it is definitely quality over quantity. Uh, there were two people in the garden, and Yahweh was happy enough with just one. But there were two. That's true. You know, the first family, very small. When he chose to save humanity, he worked through one man directly and his family of seven additional people for a total of eight. Mm -hmm. That was enough. When it came time to, um, to form the covenant relationship, it was done with two individuals. Once again, and everybody else was excluded. There was only one son to carry that torch, Ishak. And then only one of his two sons would carry that torch. And then there was only 13 sons thereafter that Yahweh chose to work through. And while the number of people grew, most of them ended up being excluded from Yah, and they got to the point where there was only one person on the planet with whom he could work, Moshe. One. One. And throughout most of the time that there were the, uh, the prophets, um, there was one. So there were multiple people that God communicated through with during uh, Dode's life and, uh, and thereafter, during the time of uh, Yeshayah, Yermayah, Hosha. Uh, even Hezekiah for a while. They all lived at the same time. So there were a handful of people. There was a, a period where, where I think there were may have been even tens of thousands uh, could have been during the time that Hezekiah convinced the people to celebrate uh, Chag Matzah for not one week, mm-hmm. but two. Uh, but for the last couple of thousand years, there have been nobody. Yeah. Well, he says so that, yeah. God, God is really a okay 
with finding a person or two or three or four, and sometimes right now he's got a, an emerging family in the covenant. Yes. Uh, and so this notion of there there have to be hundreds of thousands or millions of Yehudim well, who return that, to Yah. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think yeah, so. I, I, wouldn't, don't, I wouldn't take that kind of number. but yeah. I, 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 think the, I think the number is actually irrelevant. Uh, uh, yeah. It is it's relevant to God because he has told us that it's going to, uh, to uh, be um, thousands and thousands amongst millions or billions, billions worthwhile, yeah. worldwide or mm-hmm. one in a million, but I think that number is the uh, is probably for most of time, with the exception of this one concentrated event. It, it's probably going to be more than mm-hmm. that. And uh, you know, we know it's going to be a multiple of seven somehow. It could be uh, uh, four of the seven are from uh, Yisrael, and three of the seven are from uh, Goyim. Goyim nations, uh, yeah. But so it, it, those are all possibilities, but. Uh, we don't even know what God's requirement is for somebody to be considered uh, Yisrael or Yehuda. Now, the rabbinical thing is, if your mother was a Jew, then you're a Jew. But what percentage mm-hmm. of mom had to be Jewish for her mom to be Jewish, for you to be Jewish? Uh, you know, if uh, if your dad was not Jewish, your mom was Jewish, but your mom uh, was only Jewish because her mother was Jewish, but uh, her... Uh, uh, her father was not Jewish, then you're you're down to 25 percent, but yet you'd be considered Jewish by the rabbis. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know what God's going to do. He can read DNA, and I don't know what percentage somebody has to have J1 or you know, Jewish DNA to be considered uh, ethnically uh, Jewish. So we don't we don't know that. Don't even need to know that. No. I'm not going to lose um, sleep over it. I just, uh, but yeah, I see. It's yeah, it's a curiosity. My... And, and so I finally just did it. says, you know, that's not my job. My, my job to determine how many. Not my job to try to make it a lot. My job, our job, is mm-hmm. to do the best we possibly can to expose and condemn the obstacles yeah. to being yeah. recognizing Yahweh, which means to expose and condemn religious deception, political deception, conspiratorial deception, and then to present the case for Yahweh as clearly as we can in the language spoken by more Jews than any other English. That's our job. That means we translate Yahweh's testimony as accurately as we can, and we share the insights which we can glean from it by making proper connections, uh, doing our best to make it relevant in people's lives, to be clear, to be compelling, and publish it. Um, and it's beautifully published now electronically at yadayad.com. Thank you, David. Beautifully published at Amazon and in hardback and, and paperback books. Thank you, Jackie. Um, it's wonderfully edited now, and I thank you to the whole edit team to... Uh, um, making the books uh, um, accurate. Um, and, you know, there's now over 20 of them. A lot of material. We've done a lot of shows. We've written a lot of books. We've 
done our best to present them as credibly and as consistently as possible. I will tell you that I've never been happier with the uh, decision to rewrite them than I have been here recently as I've returned for the first time in 10 years to the Proverbs, Mashal. Uh, and I'm translated, retranslated, and shared the insights that can be gleaned from uh, Proverbs like uh, 3, 4, um, 6, 7, 28. And uh, it's some of the most uh, inspiring, educational, uplifting, confirming moments that we've had in the entire 20 years that we've been about this. Uh, it's so gratifying to see Iowa's testimony so clearly, uh, brilliantly presented. Um, so we, uh, we are committed to doing the job as well as we possibly can so that in the end, our father is pleased with the results. Um, and that's all he's asking of us. And mm-hmm. that's the most wonderful job in the world. So we will continue to do it. And, and it, it finally, in the end, it is, it is what it is. Uh, we'll relax. We'll enjoy it. And there, is, um, there are advantages both ways. Having uh, lots and lots and lots of people, you have lots and lots of time, you might get to know everybody, but it's not nearly as intimate a family setting as if it's a more manageable number that we're spending eternity with. And so um, we, uh, we have the opportunity to get to know each other as family, as brother and sisters. Um, and, you know, whether that number is, uh, is 7,000 or 70,000 or 700,000, um, uh, that's, that's okay. Um, but uh, I think God would be would have been content if it had just been um, yeah, Adam, if he hadn't been such a dunderhead, yeah, yeah. or um, or just been you know Abraham and Sarah uh, along with Ishak. Yeah. But um, and I think that I'm glad. Since, I'm glad that's it, a, it yeah, moving because here since, we are. Since, yeah. since uh, we began this 20 years ago, I think uh, God was pretty content to say, all right, I'll, I'll work with this idiot. Um, uh, I think he's got potential. And I think that over time, God said, you know, okay, it was a pretty good choice. He's, uh, he's, he's shaping up. Uh, and, uh, uh, and I think he's thrilled that one has become many. Um, and I think he's uh, exceedingly happy with the way things are being played out. And, and I think that scroll that is uh, going to be lifted up is going to be the uh, dad showing some pride in what we've accomplished together, which is his natural inclination. So yeah. um, we will continue to expose and condemn Judaism, Christianity, Islam, uh, progressive uh, liberalism, conspiracy, because those things have to be um, exposed, condemned, and resolved for somebody to walk away from them and enjoy a covenant relationship with Yahweh. And then we will do our utmost to explain the terms and conditions of the covenant, the benefits of the covenant, 
the benefits and purpose of each of the Moed Mikre, uh, and the value of the Torah, so that everybody who wants to know Yahweh has that opportunity. So may Yahweh bless you all. Have a wonderful Shabbat. Uh, my pleasure to be with you here, uh, Kirk, and we'll return Thank you. to where we left off uh, this time uh, next week. May uh, Yah bless you all. all. And hopefully by this time next week, we're really, really, really close to having a new volume uh, ready to go. I think we're only two chapters away from completing it, and um, I'm very excited that very soon you will have access to Volume 2 of An Introduction to God. I think Volume 1 of Introduction to God is, the, is, is by far the best uh, that we have done uh, as a family, and I think Volume 2 is uh, even better than Volume 1. Um, so wow. it's, it's rich with insights, lots of material for the family to grow and for those who are not yet with us to come to know Yahweh. May Yah bless and happy Shabbat to one and all. Look forward to being with you this time next week. Good night. Shalom, shalom. Good night.